What's up, Braves Nation? This is the Ethos Braves Podcast. I'm your host, Sean McKay, and with me today is that amazing radio voice that you get used to hearing from West of Kentucky. It's Jeremy Bell. Jeremy, what's up? Hey, John. How are you today? I'm good. Good. Um, good. A little humid down here in the great state of Georgia. Um, well, but, uh, I walked out the door this morning at um, I'll somewhere... A little before five, a little before six, I guess it was fifty-nine degrees. It felt pretty good Ooh. out there. So, but Ooh. it's been hot. So, yeah, the weather is uh, heating up. Much like we can talk about, you know, this race in the NL East is heating up too. You know, with the Mets <clears throat> coming to town. Yeah, that is true. But I, I, I know of something else that, or someone else that is extremely hot right now. Yes. And I'm not talking about Arizona. Yeah. Eddie Rosario. Yeah. I think he had two RBIs on Friday. Um, and I know he had at least four RBIs on Sunday. Yeah, he had the had the grand slam. Um had the two two homers um on Friday night. He was three mm-hmm. to four. Um and then um he uh capped off the win. <laughs> The comeback win on Sunday with the Grand Slam when he had been um, not, you know, had had not hit the ball well on Sunday. And you could tell he was frustrated. You know, I like that whenever a guy like that, uh, what I see of him uh, getting mad at himself for missing a pitch or popping it up or something when he knew that he should have hit the ball. Or, or knew he should have gotten something out of it or something. So mm-hmm. you can see just the frustration on his face. He would, you know, flipping the bat, uh, mad, you know, throwing it down and, you know, being one of those throwing his helmets. I like to see that. I, that's not a – for me, that's not the old tantrum. He, he's just mad because he knew he should have hit the ball. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he knew he got a good pitch to, to, to either drive or got a good pitch to do something with. So and, – and it seemed like that away on Sunday too. And then uh, I ended up – having to miss uh, the rest because we um, we went to church. And so then after after church, seeing that he had hit the Grand Slam and I went back and watched it and, and you know, how it got started, uh, you know, and where, where we ended up for him uh, getting a chance to get the Grand Slam. So, uh, you know, he he was hot um, and, and that's good. I, 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 we need to see him heating up a little bit because I was getting a little bit worried um, – about you know him uh but yeah i think colin talked about it you know you're going to get about a 250 260 average out of him uh mm-hmm. so and that's kind of where he's gotten it back up to uh but you know to see him get hot that's great uh you know see him playing against lefties and righties uh which is something that you haven't seen a whole lot of uh you know it was supposed to be uh rosario batting against uh righties and ozuna batting against lefties uh, you know, so in the outfield, and then uh, you know, Darno and and Murphy would be DHing or catching. So uh, you know, it, it kind of hadn't been that way. So it's good to see him getting hot and getting hot, maybe at the right time, especially with the Mets coming to town. Um, whose call did you listen to of that grand slam? Did you listen to Ben Ingram or did you listen to the TV guys? No, I listened to the TV guys. Yeah, well, they yeah, still did a good job on that call. Yeah, um, you know, um, it, it, it's it's one of those calls, you know, it's kind of one of those where, um, you know, you sit back and you wonder how you're going to call things anyway to begin with. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I do that in my own, uh, in my own personal uh, life of watching high school football or basketball or something. How are you going to make the call? How are you going to finish the call at the end of a game when it's exciting and it's a last second you know, saying, what are you going to say? How are you going to do it? Uh, stuff like that. You know, that's the same way. You know, uh, you go back and uh, you listen to some of the most iconic calls that there ever were, um, you know, with um, Jack Buck or uh, when he when he called the Kurt Gibson hitting the home run, you know, or, or even go back to Al Michaels, you know, in the Olympics and you wonder how it's going to be. So you dream of those calls and those are fun to make. So, uh, so yeah, they, they did a great job of, of uh, making that, but what a, I mean, how to cap that all off to get the grand slam. I mean, that's a, um, as much as it's not cause it's, you know, they're not at home and it's not a walk off. I guess it is a walk off in a way. So, 
that would have been even more exciting if it was a walk-off. But I'll take the Grand Slam any day of the week. Now, I'll t- I'll, 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 I got an inside baseball question. Would it yeah. be easier to call a bit to have a call like stored up in your brain for a, a sport like baseball <laughs> as opposed to basketball and football, which are moving faster? Yeah, yeah. You know, I I don't know. You know, I thought of those things. Um, it, it really is just in the moment, to be honest mm. with you. Nothing stored whatsoever, um, because I, I at times I never know what to say, and then at times it is it is you know just go with the flow, and I think that's mm-hmm. kind of what it mainly. It, it, I think that's what ninety nine percent of it is, just going with the flow, whatever comes to mind, whatever you can say, and I bet if you ask everybody that's been in that business, it's all about it, it's just all about the moment, whatever wherever it goes, whatever it does. Uh, however, whatever that's that's about all, you know. It, it, nothing stored, nothing, um, nothing. Remember, it's funny because I've been I was going to try to work on um, a halftime segment for our football games about the greats of of Murray High School, and so I was going to go back to uh, when um, in 1994 we had a game up and uh, we had a we actually made the state championship game, and so I was not I was actually doing color. Uh, a friend of mine, John Rose, was doing play-by-play of that game, and we we jumped in with Murray uh, um, a couple of games into the playoffs because we were doing Callaway County that year, uh, and they and they ended up losing. So we jumped in and over to Murray because their guy something went wrong with their guys. So we went to the state championship game. It's the only state championship football game I've done, and it was a controversial one to begin with. And I was going to mm, go I back and talk to the <clears throat> and talk to the guy that actually caught the football because the quarterback ran into the end zone um, and he was trying to run out the clock and he didn't run out of bounds. And right before he ran out of bounds, he threw the football up in the air and, 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 and one of our guys caught it or, or actually caught it, grabbed it in the end zone and it should have been a touchdown and we should have won. Uh, but mm-hmm. it did the official blew the whistle. So I was going to go back and kind of play that call because I was going to go interview that guy that caught the football that still has the football. So, you know, it's, it's all about just in the moment, and you never really know. Uh, I don't think – I think, again, if you ask, you never really know what you're going to say in those situations. There's just never a chance for you to prepare. Uh, you know, you can prepare a little bit maybe uh, in a basketball mm-hmm. sense and knowing maybe even in a football sense and knowing that, okay, it's tied. Um, you know, there's 10 seconds left. Well, in baseball, you never know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I guess you do have time because – got bases loaded and you know there's two outs and here's Rosario at the bat and every pitch could be you know whatever just something different every pitch could be he could strike out or he could hit it or whatever so anyway, right. I think it's just all in the moment it's all in the moment well as listening to you for the last four three to four or five years you've had some pretty fantastic calls just yeah just you know, I, yeah thanks I appreciate that and and you never Going into a game when you know it's going to be a close game, you can be mm-hmm. a little bit more prepared. But a game, uh, you know, that I've been disappointed many times. Uh, I've been disappointed in all the way to halftime, and all of a sudden at halftime it turns around and and it's different. I've been I've been uh, you know kind of more tempered at times, thinking okay, you know, we were down I think twenty eight seven once at a in a playoff game at Owensboro Catholic, and I thought there is no way we're going to come back in this game because Owensboro Catholic was such a high scoring offense. And, you know, they, we, we're, you know, we're, we're not playing too well. And all of a sudden we come back and beat them. Uh, mm-hmm. And I mean, it starts in the beginning of the third quarter, bam, we, we put a rush on them and we come back and we beat them and end up going to the semifinals that year uh, of the state playoffs before losing to, to Lexington Christian. So, I mean, you know, you can't, you just can't prepare. I don't know how you prepare for that, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, my wife at times has been knowing I, – I've been at times knowing that we're probably going to lose the game. Um, and she's, she's like, well, you're going to have to watch what you say. And that's true. <laughs> uh, because at times I've been a little bit – you know, I, I can get on them a little bit for not hustling or doing something. Kind of like Marcelo Zuna, who got in trouble for not hustling down the, the first baseline on a ball that went 470 – 415 something feet bounce off the wall yeah. and he got 
pulled from the game because he, you know, he walked down to first base and he should have been at second base. So, you know, mm-hmm. my wife always has to remind me, you know, be careful, you know, don't, don't be so, I don't know, cynical, whatever, however you want to say it. Don't be not harsh, but, um, you know, it got to be upbeat, I guess, which is true. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway, I, it's in I, the moment. I've I think it's that. all in the moment. <laughs> I've heard that, those, those games. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. You didn't mention, what did you think of, you didn't mention Marcus Silva's in that, um, you know, he, he thought it was out, so you you pimp it, and you know that's typical nowadays. But even though you know you're in a bigger ballpark, you know that you may not get it out. Go, I, I would run hard anyway. Well, I I think that is the that's the general consensus um, in that ballpark. And John, I know you can't see the dimensions of that ballpark anyway to begin with. It is such an odd ballpark because you know center field. There is no, quote, um, there's a wall in center field, okay, just mm-hmm. a wall. So, like in other ballparks, like if you were to hit center field in Atlanta, uh, there's trees, there's stuff out there outside of the fence, okay? Mm-hmm. So, so you know that when it goes over the fence, you know it goes over the fence, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, in Arizona, uh, not in, in uh, the other places, you know it's going to be out of the ballpark when it's, when it actually goes out of the ballpark in Arizona, there's a wall. Okay. And there's a yellow line at a certain point, um, on the wall. That's where home runs are. Okay. Uh, it has to be, if you're an umpire, a difficult thing to call because, um, if you know, it, it's above that wall is a home run. Well, ball's moving so fast sometimes that it's hard to tell. That's why I'm glad replay, at least in that instance, because you can't blame an umpire if he gets the call right or wrong. Uh, because you never know in that instance. And I think that's what Marcelo Zuna needed to realize, that he hit the ball um, right in there in one of those little gap areas where that line was still in existence. And he hit the ball, and it hit below the line. And he, you know, he, he still should have been running. I, that, you know, that's an old Bobby Cox trick. He used to pull that mm-hmm. every once in a while with, with the likes of Andrew Jones. Um you know, those guys, because they weren't hustling at times. I mm-hmm. think, you know, Brian Snitker could uh, – Bobby Cox might have pulled Ronald Acuna a couple of times uh, to, to make sure that, hey, <clears throat> you know, you still need to hustle after the ball every single time. Don't lollygag right. out there. And with and with and in Ronald's case, too, Ronald, you've got such a good arm <clears throat> that, you know, if you go get the ball – Look what kind of a great play you could make if you throw the guy out at second base. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then you can celebrate, uh, you know, and I'll celebrate with you, you know. Mm-hmm. But but I think that was the case with Ozuna. And especially in that game right there, when, when we're still looking to score runs and we're still behind in that in that instance. Right. Um, because I, if I recall correctly, um, I don't think we ever – see, I'm going to have to go back to that game. Hold on just a second. I don't want to speak out of turn. Um, we never. I think it was three, five to three. We, yeah, we oh. never had the lead in that game until two, four, five, two, three, four. Yeah, we never had the lead in the game until the ninth inning. Okay. Oh, I thought was so, it one nothing? Was it one nothing to start with? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it was one. I'm sorry, it's right. We're there. It's one nothing. So that's the only lead that we had. They scored one in the second. They scored two in the third. We scored two in the fourth. Then they turned around and scored two in the fourth themselves. Okay, right. so we had it tied at three to three um, in the in the top of the fourth, but in the bottom of the fourth, they came back and scored two more runs. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, you know then we scored one in the seventh. So at the time, you know we're looking to score runs and to get him on second base instead of having him on first base changes the changes it big time. That, so because that would have been a run because. Could've. You know, the wild pitch and the ground out, he would have been yeah. home. Yes. So, and, and looking at that, too, could he have been at third base if he's running? You know, yeah. Could Marcel Ozuna got a triple? And, you know, that's what I would have mm. been like. Well, look at that guy going, you know. He is mm-hmm. chugging it. Look at get the triple. How many triples does Marcel Ozuna have in his career? I now, bet it's how, less than 10. So. How big is Ozuna? 
Um, he's a he's a big boy, but he still can move. It looks like though. He uh, can. So yeah, six two, probably six three. But you know, he's got a little bit of weight on him, but but still, he looks like he can move. Okay, he still okay. moves. So he's not slow. Let's put it that way. Uh, okay, so he's he not catcher slow to, or. No, that's what I was gonna say. He's not catcher slow. He doesn't have catcher speed. He's got better speed than that. You know. Okay. So, yeah. Um. Anyway. Um. That's, but, so, but it, you know, that's what Bobby Cox would pull. You know, he would. Yes. Um. He would take. Um. You know, he would take Andrew Jones out for lollygagging after a ball and missing something. You know, stuff like that. So, um. You know, that's. And that's what a manager's supposed to do. Uh, you know, you hope that a um and a manager that's got a little bit of experience like Brian Snitker can take the young guys and say, look, I'm still in charge of the game. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you hope some of the uh, players that are there, some of your, your veterans would take them aside and say, look, it's no offense, but if you're not going to run out of ball, I'm going to take you out. I'm going to sit right. you down. So, and I mean, let's face it, Marcelo Zuna, you know, one uh, little incident away from being on the bench anyway to begin with. So yeah. he doesn't need any more bad publicity because he didn't run a ball out or because of something else happened off the field. I do have a question for you. Yes. What do Andrew Jones and the Diamondbacks have in common? Ooh, I don't know. Tell me. Andrew Jones' son is in their organization. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. He played at Wesleyan, the Wesleyan School up in Norcross, Georgia. Huh. And he okay. was the number one pick for them last year. Or two years. Oh, no. that's right. That's right. Yep. That is correct. Yep. Well, you know – the Diamondbacks right now, uh, a very uh, – they're, they're a young team, um, and they're playing really well. Uh, so, uh, you know, I would take uh, the, the interesting thing, uh, that Corbin Carroll. Uh, yes, really I was going to bring him up to you. Yeah, really quick, uh, caused a lot of problems. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those guys that would remind me of, like, your Jeff Mc – you know, we're getting ready to play the Met, so you go – with Jeff McNeil, or you go mm-hmm. with Brandon Nimmo, somebody like that, who just is one of those guys who looks like he could lead off. Uh, mm-hmm. He could bat ninth. He could bat third. He batted third on Friday night. Uh, he was one for two. Uh, or, yeah, one for three. Sorry, had a walk, uh, but scored twice. You know, so when he gets on base, good things happen for the Diamondbacks. So, uh, but he's He's a speedy little guy, let me tell you. So I, I like the, I like the, I like what he shows. And I think one of the front runners for rookie of the year. Yes. So, and uh, I think right now he's 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 gonna, um, you know, he's well on his way to winning it if he continues. But this team, you know, Diamondbacks are very impressive. You know, their division is not the easiest thing in the whole wide world. And I think no, people forget they're forgetting about the Diamondbacks, and I think that's what's making them play right now. Exactly like they are. Nobody knows who we are. We'll take it. You know, because in their division, you got the Dodgers. You got the Padres. And, you know, at years, the Giants have been good. So, you know, you've got probably arguably one of the toughest divisions uh, that there are uh, out there. Um, other than maybe that, uh, that, you know, if you look at the Braves, Mets, and Phillies, that's pretty tough. Uh, you turn around and you look at the, the uh, Yankees. Blue Jays, Orioles, Rays, I'd say that division is probably number one as being the mm-hmm. toughest. So, and the Red Sox, I can't forget the Red Sox either. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, I would say they're flying under the radar. And I would say if you ask most of those guys on that team, they don't mind flying under the radar. And they've got some good pitchers, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Merrill Kelly had a good game uh, against the Braves on Friday night. And even going to Sunday, uh, looking at Sunday, wait a minute, let me get there. So, um, looking at Sunday, even uh, Zach Gallon uh, had a good game. And he, you know, even though he only gave up, he went six innings, nine hits, he only gave up two earned runs, but he had only given up three earned runs at home all year, okay, before coming into this game. And we got two off of him and should have got more than that, to be quite honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. So we had chances uh, to to score more runs uh, and uh, didn't do it. So 
Um, and he was Zach Gallon frustrated with the strike zone a little bit on uh, Sunday, and and he you know he was starting to show that as well. But he was also leaving some pitches there where we could hit it too. So mm-hmm. uh, so that was the other thing uh, that that I thought um, you know he he struggled a little bit. So but anyway, it's they've got some good pitching, and I think uh, they're going to be a team you're going to have to watch out for come uh, you know come wild card or come divisional lead time, uh, you know, they're, you're, you're going to have to watch out for them. They're going to be a good team to contend with. So for Braves fans who did not see Corbin Carroll this weekend, would you compare him to Michael Harris? Yeah, except Harris is a little bit bigger, maybe taller. Carroll's a little guy, you know, uh, but he plays with the same, um, you know, not – I would say he plays – kind of reckless like Michael Harris does mm-hmm. um, you know he can make the big plays and he made some big plays uh, he's hitting the ball right now better than Michael Harris but I would say that is um, a kind of an anomaly with Harris um, mm-hmm. you know we're going to see him hitting the ball you know let's talk about Harris for just a second you know Harris I think might be the the, the product of a shift helped Michael Harris last year Okay, mm-hmm. because he hit the ball the other way. Well, now that the shift has changed a little bit and they're not playing as so, um, you know, so uh, awkward and playing, you know, the third baseman goes out to right field on a left-handed batter, you know, mm-hmm. and the shortstop's going to stay in position. So that's going to leave third base, you know, free and clear to hit the ball. I think he's hurt, been hurt a little bit by that, by the fact that they're playing more straight up. Uh, because now he's starting to try to pull the ball, and that's hurting the swing a little bit. So, uh, you know, the shift change may have hurt Michael Harris more than anything. But he's going to have to make adjustments, much like everybody else, and his defense has been well to begin with. So no complaints, and I I think he's – you know, if he can get hot at the right time, that's just going to make it better. Right now we don't need him to be hot. We just need him, you know, to maybe stop striking out as much. Uh, Mm -hmm. But but Corbin Carroll – I think, too, a guy that can play um, all the outfield positions uh, because he played left field, I believe, in one of the games. I think he played mm-hmm. center field in another game. So, uh, a guy that, you know, that can do a lot for this for this Diamondback team, definitely. Um, you've mentioned Andrew Jones. Do you think Harris defensively or Corbin Carroll defensively could be the caliber of Andrew Jones? Oh, yeah, sure, absolutely. I, I don't see Carroll enough. I know I just saw him in the three games that we played against the Diamondbacks. Uh, so, uh, ab- you know, for, for Michael Harris, absolutely. Um, mm. I think to definitely definitely put him, put him right up there with Andrew Jones. Um, I think, um, you know, Andrew Jones was, uh, in much like Harris, just a different type of center fielder. Um, and, you know, Andrew Jones came along at a time um, when, um, you know, we had playing center field a guy by the name of Otis Nixon, um, mm-hmm. you know, who was a speedy guy who looked, you know, he was in the same build as Jesse Chavez. He looked to be about 100 years old, okay, <laughs> but, yet, but yet he could outrun anybody that's 22, you know, mm-hmm. and he made some fantastic plays uh, back, you know, in the 90s. Uh, that was one of those John Sherholtz type signs to, for defense, much like Sid Bream and Raphael Belliard. Well, it was Otis Nixon that was the other. We needed a leadoff guy. You know, he was kind of your very prototypical leadoff guy. Uh, and so, um, you know, we had a guy out in, in uh, center field for a long time named Dale Murphy, uh, who mm-hmm. was fantastic, uh, who, uh, you know, defensively. Now, let's face it. Over the last uh, – since the 80s, uh, center field defense has been fantastic. Uh, you mm-hmm. go to Dale Murphy, you go to Otis Nixon, you go to Andrew Jones, now you go to Michael Harris. Uh, you know, so the center field defensive spot um, has been, you know, gold glove caliber. Let's put mm-hmm. it that way. And that and that is a, as a pitcher, you got to feel good knowing you got a guy out there in center field – who's going to track down everything, who's going to catch everything. If he doesn't catch it, it must be uncatchable. 
So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, he, I, I, I would say you're going to get a gold gloves from Andrew, jo- from, from Michael Harris, much like you did from Andrew Jones. And again, Andrew Jones was, you know, started out leading off and then, you know, put him, you could put him in the three, four, five hole, uh, you know, so much like, you know, you got uh, Michael Harris, who, who honestly, um, you know, playing like he did last year could have let off. Um, but, uh, you know, he's batting in that nine hole, which I think should be right now where he should be. And he should stay uh, like for a while. Man. Yeah. So, um, you know, and Acuna is not your typical leadoff hitter, your prototypical leadoff hitter, but yet he is, you know, because mm-hmm. he gets on base and he steals bases, but yet he's going to hit you 40 homers. I don't know that there's mm-hmm. a leadoff hitter anymore that you would classify as that quote leadoff hitter. I could see Corbin Carroll being that quote leadoff hitter just because, you know, he could bunch your way on base. He could do a lot of different things. So, but he did but that I, this weekend. Didn't he, didn't he hit yeah. a bunner? Am I thinking somebody else? No, well, I, unless he, unless I missed somewhere along the way, I didn't see one, but it didn't matter because he was on base quite a bit anyway to begin with. Yes. Uh, so uh, he was one of those guys that, Made, made the pitchers work. That's the other thing about this Diamondback team is, is they were one of those, much like the Phillies, um, you know, they foul pitches off. They made you work. Uh, you know, they made you throw pitches. So, um, you know, and, and maybe that was what the Soroka's problem was on Sunday, which we'll get into that, was they were making him work maybe a little bit harder than what he really wanted to or what he, uh, you know, really needed to. Uh, they he mm-hmm. wasn't they weren't swinging at pitches maybe that he he might get away with throwing to other teams because they would swing at so thus he struggled so um, you know and that and that's okay but but um, but yeah Michael Harris is going to give you I think a bunch of gold gloves out in center field. Awesome. Um, let's break these three uh, this weekend series down a little bit. Um, Braves lose three to two. Um, a valiant comeback from Ari Rosario on. Friday, um, Charlie Morton pitched, and you know these are two pitchers that had over four ERAs. But I mean, it's, it was a pitcher's duel, three to two. Um, yeah. What do you think? Um, I night? think we we did not capitalize on opportunities. Um, I think we had them on the ropes. Uh, I thought Morton pitched well. Um, did strike out nine, gave up six hits, walked a couple. Uh, I thought defensively. Um, we may have struggled in the innings that they scored. And let me go back here uh, because I was watching that. Um, and I believe in the first inning, um, Morton walked a guy, if I recall, which led to a run, which there's that's on Charlie. But I believe defensively we had a little bit of a hiccup in one instance. Um, what was a what ended up being a wild pitch, I think should have been a pass ball maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Somewhere in there, there was there was something that we got in trouble with, and on the base pass too, um, Matt Olson missed one uh, that he should have probably ranged and, and ranged his right and got and could have got an out at second base, which would have got the lead runner, which would have, you know, instead meant uh, you know runners on first and second, which I think ended up scoring. So so um, you know we got caught a little bit on the defensive side of things, did commit one error, uh, so that. But in the ninth inning, such a promising start. Uh, I believe we had first and third with one out. And all we had to do was get a fly ball out to somewhere, deep left, deep center, or deeper than what was hit. And Ozzy came up and hit a shallow fly ball to left field. And, of course, we didn't get anybody home. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and I believe this was the game. Was this the game that – Matt Olson on the base pass got uh, – he was headed home uh, and got thrown out at third base because Ron Washington puts up the stop sign as he's rounding third and he couldn't get back to third base. I believe uh, I didn't see this Austin game. Riley – yeah, Austin Riley um, hit a, a BB and uh, Olson is – right before he's rounding third, uh, Ronnie puts up the stop sign – he rounds it too far, and they throw him out. He would have been dead at home, and he would have been out at home anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. he would have been out, out, out by by four or five steps, and he puts up the stop sign. So, you know, base running was very questionable on on um, 
on uh, Friday because I believe then at the time we'd have had second and third with only one out. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I, you know, we, we could have gotten a few more runs, but not getting the ball in the air uh, deep enough that we could have scored a run that tied it up. And I think we had them on the ropes a little bit too, um, you know, because we had picked up a run in the seventh and then, um, you know, such a promising start, so didn't do it. So, anyway, we could have swept the series with the Diamondbacks, oddly enough. Uh, you know, we, we only won one in Oakland, who, who they're terrible, and we go play the Diamondbacks and could have swept the series. Did win two out of three, I'll take it, but we probably could have won the series. We probably could have swept them. I will take it as well. Um, looking over at Saturday, the Braves went 5-2. to Fizzer Schrader allows one uh, run. Um I know Acuna had a bomb in this game. Yeah, he hit it. Yeah, he hit it a couple hundred feet, John. Yeah, four. You know, that's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's not not very good hit. What it was, I think, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it might still be flying, by the way. Yeah, it may still be going. You're exactly right. Sean Murphy, good game too. Good to see him. You know, with uh, three hits. Uh, you know, Rosario with another couple of hits uh, on the night. So. Um, you know, and even Ozuna had a couple of hits. I mean, everybody was hitting the ball except Olsen. But he was on base twice with walks. Uh, and then Austin Riley didn't get any hits. So, um, did but did yeah. Ozuna have a bomb in this game, too? Um, I think you're right, yes. Because uh, okay. he had an RBI. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, had a run in an RBI. So, uh, but yeah, Strider, six innings. He only struck out seven. Uh, but he did walk four guys. Um, so... A little bit higher than what you normally would uh, have wanted. Chavez came in, uh, pitched well. Nick Anderson, uh, good to see pitching well. And Iglesias came in and finished the game up. So, Chavez with three strikeouts of his own. Um, Strader, he, he, you know, he did give them the walks, but I still feel like he performed well. I mean, one run, six innings, I'll take yeah. that. Yeah, I, again, I'll take that any time of the – any time of he wants to go do that, pitch like that, I'll take it every single time. But mm-hmm. um, but I think, you know, with Spencer, um, you know, I want to see uh, more one-two uh, more one two counts and less two-two and three-two. Uh, yeah, because you, throw, you keep throwing extra pitches. You know, that's what I told you in the game against Philadelphia, the game that I was there on that Sunday night. Um, I would have thought, okay, Spencer's only going to go five innings because his mm-hmm. pitch count was not so great, uh, and, and he was pitching okay. But, boy, the fourth inning, struck out the side. The fifth mm-hmm. inning, he struck out, I think, two more maybe. Uh, he was only at two strikeouts. Uh, and then in the sixth inning, he struck out two more. So he got stronger and stronger and stronger as it went along. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, and I think I, I'll, I'll take that too, uh, to be honest with you, if he wants, I, you know, as long as, you can keep the runs to a very low, low, low minimum in the beginning and give me a strong fourth, fifth, and sixth, or give me a strong third, fourth, fifth, and sixth, whatever, that's fine. Uh, right. I told you before, Tom Glavin, Hall of Famer, you know, was terrible in the first inning. Give me the other eight innings, and I'm okay with You know, so, um, but, yeah, but another good game from Strider, and, um, you know, I'll take it every single, every single time. Did you hear the sound of the bat when Okuni hit the, the bomb? No, I missed for some reason. I don't know why I missed the home run by Acuna. Oh, I know why I did because, oh, I don't know, it was late at night. And I was old oh. maybe sleeping. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Um, I, I listened to it on the replay or the yeah. – you can listen to the yeah. the, the yeah. broadcast on the yeah. app, that app and – Oh my goodness! It was. Yeah. It's not like a <laughs> a gun went off. It was a. Yeah. It was a rocket. Yeah, I, I could go back and watch the replays too, but you know I was. It was uh, three thirty or something in the morning, and I was. I I rolled over and and I said, okay, I'm gonna check to see if the game how the game went. I saw that they had won and he had hit a homer. So I mean I could go back too, but. Uh, yeah, I I think I heard it from my house though maybe so. Yeah, you uh, might have. <laughs> uh, yeah, the sonic boom. <laughs> so. Yeah, there, there actually was one of those this past yeah. week, but we, that, we're, this is not a uh, military yeah. podcast. Yeah, no, this is not a um, yeah, this is not a political podcast. So, <laughs> um, 
Well, let's hope it doesn't get there. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the Braves win five to two. Um. We go to Sunday. The Braves went in a uh, comeback victory, eight to five over the Diamondbacks. It was a matchup of young phenom pitchers, uh, Mike Soroka and Zach Gallen. This yeah. is the this is the worst outing for Gallen, and well, apparently it was for Soroka too because he's no longer yeah. with the Braves. <laughs> well, so so last time I was sitting there thinking about this because um, I was actually doing a little bit of homework for the for the show today, uh, and I was looking at. Um, Charlie Morton stats last year. So if you remember in 21, the World Series year, Charlie Morton, um, that uh, the last game he pitched um, was like the first game of the World Series, if I believe that he pitched the first game, and they they he broke his leg. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, so he had all off season to recover, um, whatever. That's fine. But as you could tell in the beginning of the year, he was struggling. And if you mm-hmm. look at what he did, if you look at his stats, you take September out because um, September was, I think, an anomaly. And, and you're looking at a guy who threw a lot of innings anyway to begin with. So, you know, you can expect that in that, that late September or whatever, they're going to be tired. They may not pitch. Uh, you know, they may pitch two or three innings and be done, and they may not pitch very well. If you take September out, and even if you take, you take April out in the beginning, he had a high ERA in April. But if you look, in May, his ERA was, I think, four. In June, his ERA was like three six. Mm-hmm. Uh, in July, his ERA was three two. In um, August, his ERA was like three one, somewhere in that neighborhood. So you can see that ERA coming down. And why is that? Because he was feeling more comfortable with the fact that he didn't have to worry about anymore about whether he was going to plant on his leg and it was going to fall apart. Okay. Right. Um, look at Acuna the same way. You know, they really took Acuna and they really treated him last year. Like uh, in the very beginning of the year, they were treating him uh, like he was still recovering from that ACL injury that he had. Well, oh, by the way, he was. And so they right. took it easy on him. He had a sore knee. He would he would play a couple of games and then take a game off. He would DH a game and he would do this and that. Well, he was still getting comfortable, and as you can tell, what's he doing this year? He is so much more. Yeah, he is so much more comfortable, and the fact that I don't think he worries about tearing his ACL anymore, and whether his knee's going to fall apart when he makes the plans. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, mentally, let's take Mike Soroka. So Mike Soroka in twenty, uh, we have to go back. When do we go back in twenty? Okay. So because that's when he tore his. Um, his first time, correct? Where's yes. 21? Yeah. Um, uh, 21. 21, he tore it the first time. Okay, right? I couldn't remember. Yes. Yeah, 21, he tore it the first time. 20 had a great year. 21, he mm-hmm. tore it the first time. I believe that's right. 20, 21, he tore it again. So 22, he'd been back. So this is 23, he comes back. So 21, he tears it the first time. Um, mm-hmm. So 22, he's recovering. Everything's good. 22, Spring training, he takes a step, and he tears it again, okay? Mm-hmm. Just going down steps. Uh, so, mentally, what is, what's going through Mike Soroka's mind? Michael Soroka is what he wants to be called. What is going through Michael Soroka's mind? Am I going to take a step, and what am I going to do? Am I going to tear it? Am I going mm-hmm. to have this happen again for the third time? So, I right. think, and again, when you're making those plants or you're making those push-offs or whatever – I think you, that could go through your mind a lot and say, "What am I? Am I going to tear it?" So, give me a month of Michael Soroka, maybe in in AAA, maybe at Gwinnett or whatever, and let's get him right mentally, and then let's see what he does come into the year, uh, because I think that's where he's going to become important. But what this does set up, and what this problem does, does again uh, rear its ugly head, is who's pitching when and where. Okay, mm-hmm. so. You know, Soroka's turn in the rotation was coming up Friday uh, against – don't we play the Nationals Friday, I believe? Um, I have a look up on so, it. Yeah, I think it's the Nationals on Friday. So, Soroka's turn's coming up Friday. Uh, so, where do we go? Yes, we had a day off. Uh, so, luckily enough, we had another day off uh, last week as well. So, everybody's kind of been pushed back already. Well, we don't have a day off 
for another week or so. This is Thursday, mm. the last day off for another two weeks, maybe. Mm-hmm. So Soroka's turn in the rotation was coming up on Friday. So who's going to throw on Friday? Um, where's Jared Schuster? They haven't even announced that yet. Schuster could probably throw Friday, but then who's going to throw on Saturday? Because on Sunday it rolls back around to Bryce Elder and then Charlie Morton and then Spencer Strider. So I think that's where the problem is going to lie. And you saw on Sunday uh, A.J. smith um pitched two and a third inning. Um, he ended up walking a guy but struck out three. He had a very impressive debut. Is that the kid we're going to pull in to make a start, maybe what they call a bullpen start, but yet he's going to pitch four innings. You know, kind of like okay. Spencer Strider did are, starting are, last year. So, Are you in my head again, Jeremy? <laughs> like, are maybe. you reading my mind? Maybe. Because that you know, was my thought process. Yeah. Well, and the original intention of bringing up A.J. smith Shaver was, and by the way, you can't see this, John, but let's just picture his name on the back of his jersey, okay? And picture it going, um, if you were to start in the center, his name goes right all the way down the number and left all the way down by the number. You know, oh, so geez. it's a long name that he's got on the back because it's hyphenated, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I, my, my daughter's a hyphenated first name. Don't ever do that, by the way. So uh, just tell you, you, you have problems big time. Uh, so – um, so his is last. So it's kind of funny, but the original intention when they brought him up was that he was going to follow the same path as Spencer Strider, that he was going mm-hmm. to pitch out of the bullpen. You know, he was going to come in, pitch a couple of innings, and that's how they were going to get him acclimated to the big leagues. And then he was eventually going to work his way up to where he was going to be starting and he was going to be doing whatever, whatever, whatever. Well, they may have to rush that a little bit sooner, and you may see him being, quote, the bullpen starter, but yet he gets four innings, maybe five innings, depending on the pitch count. So, so you know, I think that's what you're going to see coming up, potentially on Friday or Saturday. Soroka's name's still in the books for Friday right now, but he's down in the minors. Uh, so he's not coming back up to pitch. So I suspect that, you know, Jared Schuster – uh, he has not pitched uh, in a little while. I suspect that he will be the guy maybe uh, that will be pitching uh, in that rotation run, or they'll go with A.J. smith Shaver. So I have breaking news as of – let's see what time it is. Ten seconds ago? <laughs> 9.39 a.m. on Tuesday morning. Rodery okay. Munoz has been promoted to Atlanta, and Luke, Lucas Lipke has been outvoted to Gwinnett. Oh, so Rodery okay. Munoz is a fireballer. He can he he can light the gun up as a bullpen arm. I've yeah. seen him at Rome. Yeah. Uh, listened to him at Rome. Um, he's been at Mississippi yeah. and Gwinnett, but he yeah. he can he can he can bring it. He can bring it. Yeah. Well, uh, they are needing bullpen arms right mm-hmm. now. So he, he's a good uh, one. That, that's good. Uh, that's good. I'm glad. I can't wait to. And you know, we don't really have that true fireballer, uh, other than you know that Strider guy. But he he's a starting pitcher. You know, we don't have that mm-hmm. hard throwing um, guy coming out of the bullpen like uh, you know the Cardinals. I think have ten of them coming out of the bullpen. So you know, we don't have that kind of guy. So that that's good. I'm glad to see. I can't wait to see him see him pitch. And interestingly enough, he comes up against the Mets. You know, so. Um, but if you were going to throw A.J. smith um, it would be, no offense to the Nationals, it's much like um, why they brought him up in the first place out in Oakland. Uh, because, mm-hmm. And why Soroka pitched out in Oakland was because he was away from home, um, you know, it, and it was just more of a relaxed setting that you could introduce them back into the rotation. Uh, you know, you wouldn't want to have pitched Michael Soroka you wouldn't want to have pitched Jared Schuster or Dylan Dodd against the Mets, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So I, 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 you, I, I think this kid, you know, you may see him coming up over the weekend being the guy that gets the start. So Sunday, after all that, the Braves get a two, uh, two to one series win over the Diamondbacks and salvage a three and three road trip. Um, yep. And. I say the hero of this series is Rosario. A hundred percent, yeah, uh, <laughs> definitely. Um, you know, so let's look at the stats. You know, Rosario 
just one hit on Sunday. Uh, you know, a big hit. Uh, yeah, Grand Slam. He went. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> four four RBIs. So let's keep that in mind. So let's go back to Saturday. Um, you know, Rosario uh, had two hits, another RBI. So you know, there's three hits. Uh, five RBIs. Five RBIs. Okay. So let's go to uh, Friday night, um, and Mr. Rosario had three hits. Had another two RBIs. So there's seven RBIs, and he had, what, six hits? Six hits. Yeah. Seven hits. Six hits. Six hits in, um, let's see, five, four, and four. That's nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. Six of 13 in the series. And I'll take that. Seven, seven RBIs. I'll take that. So, I'll, every time. Give me that every time. Yeah. Uh, yep. So I, I definitely will take it. And, you know, Everybody is looking for Eddie Rosario to have his uh, National League Championship game MVP game. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're looking for that same Eddie Rosario that we saw in the NLCS back in 21. Okay, Definitely. I don't know that you're ever going to get Eddie Rosario doing that again. I don't know that you're ever going to get anybody doing that again. Okay. Um, <laughs> even the kid that's in Miami – that's hitting like 399 right now, Luis Arreyes or something, I think his name, who's hitting like 399, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's the highest average since, would you like to take a guess at who had the higher average um, um, in 2008? Uh, 2008, let's see. Yeah. Let me help you out a little bit. Was it a, uh, was it a Brave? He played third base for the Braves. Okay. Chipper Jones. That help? Yes. Yeah, that helps. Chipper, Chipper was hitting 418 at the time. Okay. Woo. And his batting average ended up being 368, I think, that year. So, mm-hmm. you know, this kid's hitting in the 390s. Highest average of any other than Chipper in 50 something games. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, will he finish that away? No, nope, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> you know, the dog days of summer, and it's going to get harder and harder to hit, you know, that kind of. But he hits the ball. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, so I I will take Eddie Rosario's, um, you know, 6 of 13. Uh, you know, I'll take that every single series because I believe in that regard. And he's moved himself up the lineup, which, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's good too. But I, I just think it takes pressure off some of these other guys. Um, and I think he's, you know, still trying to solidify himself in left field, although I think that – uh, you know, uh, Sam Hilliard, uh, you know, and other guys, uh, you know, uh, Pilar uh, has deserved a chance to get out there and play left field. But Eddie Rosario's thinking, I'm not giving it up. And he keeps mm-hmm. hitting like that. And I don't blame him for not wanting to give it up. So. Um, let's look ahead. Let's look ahead to the Mets series. Um, oh, the Mets. Yes. The Mets. <laughs> the Mets. Yep, it's, a, uh, it's a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday series, uh, and it is the Nationals that they play, by the way, on over the, over the weekend, on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, uh, so, yeah, you talk about looking ahead. So, uh, and talking about the next day off, uh, the next day off is not until uh, Monday the 19th, the day after Father's mm-hmm. Day, okay? And they are on the – let me see. I, I take that back. They're at home, I think. Uh, they're at home. Um, no, wait, I'm wrong. Wrong, wrong. So it's the it's the Mets and then the Nationals. They go on the road. They play the Detroit Tigers. Um, and then um, they come back home and take on the Rockies. And then they get the day off on Monday and then head to Philadelphia. So, um, so that's when – you know, that's the next day off is Monday the 19th. So they're going to have to figure out this pitching rotation to begin with. So, But it, the Mets come to town. We have to I'm, talk about I'm, them first. That's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at pitching rotations for this week. Yeah. Um, it's a good rotation. Look, it's Bryce Elder uh, tonight uh, against uh, Carrasco. Um, you know, Carrasco's ERA is at 5.75. I think that's a little deceiving, uh, to be honest with you. Um 
you know, two and two is Carrasco and Elder's three and zero at one point nine two. Uh, Morton is mm-hmm. on uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, he's at five and six with a three point six two ERA going up against Max Scherzer, five and two. And we know Max Scherzer is a fireballer as long as he gets to throw eight warm-up pitches instead of seven at three point two one. I'll explain that in a minute if you didn't hear that. Um, and then Spencer Strider on Thursday, six and two with a two point nine seven ERA. Uh, and Justin Verlander, two and three with a four point two five ERA. So good pitching matchup coming up for the weekend uh, for the week with the Mets. Did you see where Strider's uh, – not Strider, uh, Scherzer is complaining about the pitch clock? Yeah, uh, well, yeah, he, what he's complaining – he's a – I'm sorry. Uh, you know, quit whining, to be honest with you. He's whined about – you know, he got caught with his uh, something on his glove, whatever, whatever, whether it was or not. Uh, he got caught with something, so he got a 10-game suspension, which, oh, by the way, that's two starts, Okay. So yes. that's, for a pitcher, that's nothing. Um, you know, you got to make it a little bit more than that on a pitcher just because you know it's only two starts. Do you do 20 games, you know, make it four starts? That could really hurt a team. I mean, because if you get a guy that's, that's had uh, something that uses something that he's not supposed to, you know, that's 80 games uh, if you're doing, uh, you know, PEDs. Uh, so steroids, yeah. all that stuff. So uh, anyway – but, but Scherzer, yeah, complaining. So he complained, too, that, um, you know, in between innings, you got two minutes, okay? Mm-hmm. Two minutes, and most of the time, a pitcher has still 30, 40 seconds left. Because mm-hmm. if the catcher needs to get his stuff on, uh, well, like, like with, the, with the Braves-Phillies series that it went to, Darno was going out there to catch. Uh, he would go out there and catch the pitchers until – um, you know, the catcher would get out there. And at one time, the catcher got out there a little bit late because he was running mm-hmm. the bases. So he got out there a little late. And the umpire stopped the clock, said, oh, whoa, let's stop it, whatever. And, and they had plenty of time to get the catcher out there. But Scherzer, mm-hmm. I don't know what he's doing. Um, and, and, and at one time, he only got one. He only got seven warm-up pitches. And so he asked, you know, the umpire said, hey, let's go throw it down. Uh, the clock's, uh, clock has run out. And he goes, I got one more warm-up pitch. Well, you know, personally, how about you get your butt out there and throw to whoever's out there and throw your pitches and get them done, you know, in in two minutes. If you can't throw Mm -hmm. eight pitches in two minutes, we got a problem, you know. So, I mean, because you know that there's two out. Well, guess what? You know, if you see a ground ball, grab your glove and be at the top of the dugout and go, you know. Right. I think that's some of these old-school guys that – we're used to taking five minutes in between pitches are, are getting to struggle. Um, and, and that's the reason why we had a pitch clock to begin with. Uh, you know, first of all, the umpires weren't enforcing some of those things. If they didn't enforce some of those things, you know, because those are in the rule book, maybe that changes. But these guys that take, you know, want to throw over five times or want to throw over mm-hmm. or, or want to take, you know, two minutes or three minutes trying to get a sign, you know, Let's face it, that's, bo- that's why the game has become so stale and so boring, and now everybody's excited about it. So, um, I, you know, personally, he just needs to get over it. And, um, and, and go out and pitch. That's what your job is. Go pitch. Follow the mm-hmm. rules. How about that? So Exactly. Anyway, sorry. Who was the thicker? Um, he, put, he pitched for the Mets. He was in the Braves, on the Braves for a little bit. But the guy who would take forever, he was thicker. He was a real thick dude. Roberto. <sighs> mm. um, is he on the Mets now? No, he. I think he's out of baseball now. Oh. I think his last stop was with um, Atlanta, and he didn't really yeah. pitch much. But it was yeah. a really big dude. Like, um, oh, you're talking about? Um, yes. Um, he was a starting pitcher, correct? Yes, and he would yes. take forever. Yes. Um, yeah, hold on. I'll think of it. Let's keep going talk about something else. Uh, my, if my son was here, we'd be able to think it because we laugh every time uh, he gets out there because it seems like he's like Julio Franco and still going. Yes. But so, he was, uh, yeah. Yeah, I know um, what you're talking about. I got you. I can't, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, looking at the minor leagues just for a little bit, um, 
Rome, uh, Rome was at Bowling Green. They played pretty decent last week. Uh, they're yeah. just chugging along, um, keeping it keeping it close. Um, Charleston, same thing, keeping it close. Um, Mississippi, they Charleston. Or sorry, I guess it was uh, playing Charleston. Um, Mississippi. Uh, Bartolo were, Cologne. Yes, Bartolo Cologne. Oh, yeah. Um, I believe they were with Birmingham this week at Birmingham, and that was a back and forth series, from what I remember. Yeah. And yeah. it was a back and forth series with Norfolk and Gwinnett. I gotta be careful when I say that name. <laughs> uh, I said it. I said it uh, too many funny times to my wife this week, and I gotta be careful. I said on on the air. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, Bartolo Colon is the guy that he would just. Take, he would never survive in this this baseball. Yeah, no, absolutely not. <laughs> um, he he would struggle so um, struggle mightily in this, or not. I don't know. Maybe um, maybe he wouldn't. I don't. I mean, I, I think that's the problem with some of the things. Some of the people that I thought, kind of like Kenley Jansen, I thought mm-hmm. would struggle, but he's. Still pitching well for the Red Sox, so yeah. uh, maybe one less uh, hip movement or something. I don't know, you know. And and again, why we've got to this point is because of the umpires not enforcing things. You know, the batter's supposed to. You know, several years ago they implemented where the batter was only supposed to take one step out of the batter's box, uh, mm-hmm. and that's it. Uh, and then he was supposed to get back in. You know, so and and oh by the way, that two minute clock. That two-minute clock has been in existence for a long time. Uh, mm-hmm. So just because Max Scherzer thinks he can only get out there and and he gets eight warm-up pitches, not if that two-minute clock is out of time. Okay. Right. So and in in that regard, he's only going to get however many he's thrown. So you know if if he needs and he talks about routine and I understand routine, but you know why does a warm-up pitcher why does a bullpen pitcher who's been throwing in the bullpen on a mound that's supposed to be similar to what they throw off of out on the field. Why do they have to come in and throw five, six warm-up pitches? Mm-hmm. You know, shouldn't you think they should be ready to go when they come in? I mean, I, so I mean, I mean, that, that's because we've fallen into that routine. Uh, we fall right. into that norm of well, that reliever's got to come in and he's got to throw um, his normal seven pitches or six pitches or five pitches or whatever it is in that two-minute time period, why? He just threw in the bullpen. Why mm-hmm. does he need those seven pitches to warm up when he comes in? Uh, so, I don't know. Shouldn't he just get two, maybe? Let's give him two and let's go, you know? Right. I mean, what did his arm – did his arm not stay warm from the time he came from the dugout or came from the bullpen to the, you know, mound? I don't – anyway, that's a soapbox moment. Sorry, we're, we're, uh, <laughs> we're way off base on that, but – but um, I did think it, Max Scherzer, so. I did think it was funny, and you know Scherzer was complaining, and I was like, I will, I will get in trouble if we don't keep these rules or whatever. I'm paraphrasing, but then yeah. Max Scherzer like, I will complain for you. Well, personally, <laughs> uh, Max, how about you just go out and get out there and get ready to go? If your catcher's mm-hmm. not ready, you're gonna have your backup catcher going out there for you and he can just follow you out there and you can have plenty of time to throw. Okay. Mm-hmm. So anyway, follow the rules. It's all, well, what are we going to break it? So that's the problem. That's one of the problems that we, that we run into. And that's why we're at this pitch clock moment is because there were rules and the officials established those rules. And then they got lenient with those rules and they were lenient and lenient and lenient and lenient and lenient. And all of a sudden, we got a pitch clock. So if we do it for one, and that's Max Scherzer, okay, if we do it for one, then, well, Max, you, you didn't do eight. Well, what if it takes him five minutes to throw eight pitches? Mm-hmm. You know, so then all of a sudden, you've added three minutes to every single time he goes out there. And instead of what turns what should have been a two-and-a-half-hour game now turns into maybe a three-hour game. When a two-and-a-half-minute game, boy, if you've ever been I've, – I've never been to a two-and-a-half-hour game except for the Saturday that I went to watch the Braves and the Phillies play 
and it was a two and a half hour game. Mm-hmm. And boy, it gets done quickly. And it's like, wow, this is, I, I think it's great. And I'm a baseball purist. I love the, right. you know, the old style, but, but man, I think it's great. I think it has added just another element. Um, I think if we could at least do away with the extra inning rule, that is the one thing that I'm not in favor of. Uh, mm-hmm. If we could do away with that, and especially with the pitch clock, I think we wouldn't have any problems. Because what happens if you go to a 14-inning game and it took three hours? Mm-hmm. I mean, a 14-inning game back many years ago would have taken five hours. Right, right. But you went to a 14-inning game and it only took three hours. And you got, you know, five extra innings. I'm yep. like, wow, you know, that's great. So we can just do away with that. And if Max Scherzer could just go out and throw his eight pitches in two minutes, you know. So, anyway, just my opinion. What do I? Know? I've got one more thing on the minor leagues, and anyway, if you don't have anything else, we can close yeah. up and get out of here. Um, yeah. Rome is at home this week against the Hickory Crawdads. Rome is twenty-four and twenty-seven on the year. Hickory is eighteen and twenty-nine. Yeah. Hickory is of the Texas Rangers organization. Speaking of Texas, they had to put Jacob DeGrom on the 60-day injured list. So, they signed him to a uh, huge deal, you know, over the over the uh, winter, and he's on the 60-day IL. Oh, DeGr- oh yeah, I saw that. Last- DeGrom? Yeah, yeah, DeGrom, yep. Yeah, I saw that. Yep. yep. Augusta... Okay. Myrtle Beach is at 29 and 22. They are at Augusta, and Augusta is 26 and 25 on the season. So they're pretty close. The Cubs, um, Myrtle Beach is a Cubs affiliate, so that'll be a good matchup in Augusta this yep. week. Mm-hmm. Um, Mississippi. Biloxi is at the Biloxi Shuckers, which is a Milwaukee Brewers affiliate. They are at Mississippi this week. Mississippi is 24 and 26, I think. Let's see. Okay. Yeah. And then Biloxi is 26 and 24. Yeah. 25, sorry, 26 and 25. Okay. And finally, Gwinnett. Sorry, I'm having a look at my phone. Okay. Charlotte, they are part of a White Sox organization. The Knights, they are twenty-eight and twenty-nine on the season. They are at Gwinnett this week, and Gwinnett has a record of twenty-four and thirty-three. But that roster's—that's not—that doesn't detail how good they are because their roster has been depleted by the major league. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. let's hope Michael Soroka can go to Gwinnett and and um, have a have a good outing. Um, yes. He would be coming up later in the week to pitch. So uh, all eyes, I think, are going to be on that, um, you know, Friday, Friday, Saturday, somewhere in there where he gets a chance to pitch. So all eyes are going to be on that. Let's see how he does. And maybe he goes down there, has a couple of great starts, and then all of a sudden he's back up. I still think it is about that mental issue, about mm-hmm. just whether you're planting, whether you're stepping, everything. Because, again, it looks high on some of those pitches. His movement on his pitches are really good. So – Let's hope he can go down and get it straightened out and um, be back up uh, in a few more weeks and uh, get things uh, back to the way we expected. Sounds like a good plan to me. Um, Jeremy, you got anything else before we close and get out of here? No, we've been on uh, too many tangents, I guess, this morning, soapboxes, all those things. (laughs) So I guess we better go. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks, guys, for listening to us us and all our soapboxes. Um, if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow the show on Twitter at Ethos Braves. You can follow me at F3 Motley Crew. Um, we're on Facebook. I'm at John Robert McKay. And Jeremy? I'm, I'm at Jeremy Bell. And I'm sorry for the life of me. I can never remember Kyle's Twitter. Um, uh, Kyle's in somewhere on Twitter. Somewhere. Somewhere. I know there's a C in there, and I know there's a 15. That's about all I can remember. But um, We'll get him figured out. Yeah. I don't have Twitter, oh, I, so I can't tell you either. Yeah, you're still old school. I know, yes. <laughs> Your I'm wife has school. Twitter. She does. 
Twitter and Snapchat and Instagram. She has all those. So, yeah. I, I take that back. I don't – I am on Twitter, but Hack is the one. My broadcast partner handles that. So, ah. uh, he he takes care of the Twitter stuff. And it's our handle. It's J-B, uh, J-B-A-N-D-H-A-C. Uh, that right. is our Twitter. So, But he takes care of that. So, I got so you. it's all of his um, – Soccer hating, all that stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> I oh, give him a hard time. Yes, he can go on some tangents. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and you can listen to the show anywhere you listen on any platform you listen to. You're like listening, um, uh, Spotify, Apple. Uh, I'm sure there's multiple that I don't know about. But we, like I said, we really appreciate you guys listening to us. And as always, go Braves. Go Braves.